0: Good morning! morning. I'm so happy to be here this morning. I'm so glad that you are here this morning. You could have chose any church to go to, but you chose this one, and we're so glad that you have. I am Joey Lancaster, and I am filling in for uh, Pastor Farrell this morning. And uh, he does have some very big shoes to fill, but I'm going to try my best this morning. And uh, he has not gone off to deep end. Do not worry. I know he's not been here for the past two Sundays, but I promise that he will be back next weekend. If you listen and understand the scriptures that I'm going to be uh, preaching on today. It'll change your life. If you listen to these scriptures and learn from the characters in in these scriptures. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you look at things. It'll change the way you do things. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you act. It'll change the way you react. It'll change your life. It'll change your family's life. It'll change the people around you. It'll change the world. You get the point. Some of you here have asked God to reveal your will for your life, for him to reveal your will for your life. And for some of you, God has revealed his will for your life. And he's told you what he wants you to do, where he wants you to go, and what he wants you to be. And you're like, okay, let's go. Let's get it on. The scriptures that I'm going to be talking to you about today is going to help you with this situation. It's going to give you hope. Today you will learn the significance of waiting on God, why we wait, and how we wait. It's going to help you with the process of waiting. You say, okay, all right, what is it? Just hang on. This will blow your mind what I'm about to ta- talk to you about. It'll change your universe. It'll change the way you do things. It'll change the way you see things. It'll change your life. You want to know what it is? There are some scriptures that I'm going to be talking about today that I'm, that I'm going to be revealing to you that I'm going to uh, just amaze you that, that are going to be awed at. You want to know? You say, okay. You've told me everything that it's going to do for me and my family and and everything. It's going to change me and my family and everybody around me. It's going to change my universe. It's going to change the world. What in the world is it? I wanted you to go through that because I wanted you to be a little anxious. I wanted you to feel the suspense leading up to it. I wanted you to feel some pressure. I wanted you to wait. When God reveals what he wants you to do with your life, you're like, okay, let's go. Let's get it on. Let's do this. But then God says, not yet. You have to wait. Because there are certain things that have to be put in place before it happens. Now we all have our own it that we're waiting on God for, right? Which brings us to the point of the message, which is waiting on God's plans to unfold. The waiting game. We love playing the waiting game. We love waiting, don't we? How many in, in here just love waiting on things? We love waiting for something. We love waiting to get somewhere or to do something. We just love to wait. Nobody. We hate it. We despise it. I know I do. We know what we want and we want it now. It's just like that old commercial when the people were in their houses and they, they, they shouted at the top of their lungs from the window. They said, it's my money and I want it now. I know what it is. We, we don't like to wait. We can't stand it. We had a hurricane blow through in August. How many of you in here were without power? A lot of you. All right. Let's do a poll real quick. Put your hands down. How many of you in here were without power for 10 hours? All right. 15 hours. 24 hours. More than 24 hours. Wow. How was that? Was it easy to wait that long for the power to come back on? No, it wasn't, was it? It's not easy. We wanted it on right then. There was no lights, no AC, no microwave, no oven, no hot water, and most importantly, no cable. (laughs) And if you have any kids, it's doubled. And in my case, it was tripled. I have three kids. You know the goal, the end result, was for the power to come back on. You might even be an electrician. So you did everything you could to, to get that power back on. You went to the breaker box, you checked the breakers, and everything was good, and you checked all the outlets, and all the outlets were good. You may have even went to the main power line coming to your house, and you couldn't get any power off of that, but you couldn't change it. You couldn't, you couldn't solve it. You couldn't fix it because it was bigger than you. You couldn't handle it. You just had to wait and wait and wait and wait. But then the power did come back on eventually, didn't it? And everybody is happy we got our cable back. You see all throughout scriptures where people are waiting on God. From Noah to Jacob and Sarah to Moses to Mary and Martha. And we're going to touch on some of those today. But we're going to be mainly focusing on David. King David. My purpose in my prayer to you today is that your life will be changed and transformed by the power of God today. Not by me and what I say and what I do, but what God says through me. Now this message is for you from God through me today. So listen to what God has to say to you today. I pray that this message gives you new life, and new hope, so that you can go out and give people new life, and new hope. Most of you know the story of David and Goliath. If any of you were ever in vacation Bible school or Sunday school, you'll probably taught the story of David and Goliath. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper into his life today. Turn to 1 Samuel and follow along with us. That's where we will be for the most part of the day. See, as I studied the life of David, I found out that he spent the majority, a, a good part of his life waiting. David had to wait something like 15 years before he became king of Judah. When he was anointed first from, from Samuel, became, he became king of Judah. He waited 15 years, and, and this was another, then he had to wait another seven years before he was made king of, of Israel. So altogether, he had to wait something like 20 years before he was made king. How could David wait so long? David's life can teach us a great deal about waiting on God. We first learn about David in 1 Samuel 16, but I have to give you a quick summary of what happened before that so you'll really understand what he had to go through while he was waiting. Now, this story is more like an action-packed drama film. It's going to keep you on the, on the edge of your seat, and you're not going to really know what's going to happen next, and it's going to shock you every time. So let's get started. There was a, there was a king there, King Saul. He was the very first king the Israel has ever had. Now, now, God did appoint him as king at the time. But now, at this particular time, Saul had some, done some things that were not pleasing to God. And, de- and God was basically finished with him. He was not finished with him as a man but he was finished with him as a king so God summoned the prophet Samuel to go and find his Israel's new king God led Samuel to, to the house of Jesse and Jesse had eight sons and Samuel went there and and he went through every one of his sons and he was like no that's not it you're not it you're not it no are you kidding me no you're not it so he went through all of them and he said Jesse is there is this all you got is he, are these all the sons you have and Jesse was like well I didn't want to have to do this there is, there's one more. We keep him out back. We don't like everybody to see him. He's the run of the family. He's, he, we, we let him just tend through the sheep. And, and Samuel was like, well, go get him. We're not going to leave this spot until you go get him. So as David walked in, as soon as he walked in, Samuel knew at that very moment that David was the chosen one, that David was the one that God had chosen to be the next king. So Samuel anoints David and tells him that he will be the next king of Israel. And he'll take the throne after Saul. So David was probably like, yeah, right. Me? Are you looking at me? You see this? I mean, look at all my brothers back here. You're not going to choose any of them. They're a whole lot bigger and tougher than I am. You're going to choose me. I'm a runt, remember? And he's like, yeah. But David must wonder. He said, okay, all right. If this is true, if I'm really going to be the next king, when is this going to happen? When am I going to be the next king? When is it going to happen? The answer is a whole lot longer. Much longer than David could ever imagine. And he had to go through a whole lot more difficulty than he ever could imagine. So David went back to tending to his sheep. And just a couple of verses after that, in the same chapter, David is asked to go to King Saul's palace. Now you have to know this. You have to know that Samuel, when, when Samuel told David that he was, he was going to be next king, the anointing came off of Saul and went on to David. So because the Spirit of God came out of Saul, the Bible says in verse 14 that the evil spirit terrorized him. And terrorized Saul. So Saul couldn't stand it anymore. He had to get this thing out of him. He couldn't take it anymore. So he asked his servants, is there anybody in, the, in this land that can help me with this? Is there anybody that can help me with this? I can't take it anymore. And one of his servants said, well, yeah, in verse 18, he said, yes. I've seen a son of Jesse, who was a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul said to Jesse in verse 19, Send me your son David, who was with flock. And you know David was like, Man, that was quick. I'm already going to the palace. This is awesome. I'm going to the palace. This is going to be quick. I'm about to go take the throne. This is awesome. So there he is in the king's palace. Surely it can't be too long now before he becomes king. But David is still too young to go and fight. For Israel against, against the Philistines, at least that's what they thought. So David went and he played the harp for, for King Saul. And, and uh, he helped him get rid of the evil spirit. And, and Saul really liked him. And Saul, Saul told Jesse in verse 22, Now let David stay with me, for he has found favor in my sight. Did you hear that? Favor. God gave David favor. Who in here needs favor? For those of you who didn't raise your hand, I'll see you after service, and I can take your favor because everybody needs favor. So, out of all the people of the land, David was the one that was chosen. Out of all the people of the land, they chose David to go to the palace. You think that was coincidence? No. Uh. Uh. That was David. That was uh, God's plans from the beginning. But what David didn't know was that he had to go. What he had to go through before he became king, he didn't know just how long it was going to take before he took the throne. This was just the beginning. He had a long road ahead of him so David was full-time now he was part-time and now he's full-time so you know he was like I'm moving on up <laughs> so, David, he goes way back. so David was promoted and then as you then as you know the story of David and Goliath the Philistines army were making making war with Israel and, and they had this big 10-foot giant and he always came out and challenged all the soldiers to, to fight him and and uh, excuse me he came out and fight him, and David was actually on the front lines there with, with the soldiers. He was actually bringing uh, some supplies to his brothers at the time. And he heard this giant, he heard this giant cry, uh, calling out every, all the soldiers and, and uh, just challenging them. And he couldn't remember, remember, David was real small, so he couldn't really see over past the, the other soldiers. He couldn't really tell who it was. And he finally saw him, and he's like, oh, he ain't all that tough. He ain't all that big. I'll take him. I'll take Hey, I'll take him. I'll take him. i'll I'll take him i'll take him because he was little so everybody laughed all the soldiers laughed and they said man that he will kill you he will crush you like a grape now see this was david's first big test this was david's chance to prove that god had truly anointed him this was his first chance to prove that he was a somebody and not a nobody but david wasn't doing it for that no uh uh, he was doing it to give god the glory You see, that's when God gives us favor. When God sees that we're not doing it for our own credit and we're doing it for him, that's when he gives us favor. David basically said, it's not all about me. And this big dummy ain't going to insult my God and get away with it. So David convinces King Saul that he could could do it. So as you know the story, David kills Goliath and and he became a hero. And he found favor among all the people. He became very popular among the people. But that wasn't it. You see, that's where a lot of people get get it mixed up. They get confused. They think, okay, he killed Goliath, and that's it. He became a hero, and he became king. No, uh-uh. He went back to the palace, and King Saul was like, okay, you, good, good job, David. Now get back to work. You know? That wasn't it. King Saul didn't see what he did and just and just uh, bow down and say, you can take the throne now. No, uh-uh. So more time passed, and people grew more and more to like David, and, and his popularity grew and grew, and actually King Saul's son became best friends with David. And now King Saul was realizing just how popular David was getting. He realized that he was actually getting more popular than, than he was. And it made him mad. It made him furious. It made him really jealous. Really jealous. So jealous that he, he tried to kill him 11 times. He tried to kill David 11 times, and this went on for several years. So you know, David was like, how long until I become king? When is this psycho going to leave me alone so I can become king? I can't take this anymore. I don't like doing this anymore. I'm ready to do something different. Wow, have you ever heard that before? Maybe you've even said that before. Maybe maybe you've said, how long is this going to take? I don't like doing this anymore. I want to do something different. I I feel like I need to do something different. When is a psycho going to leave me alone? David realized that he must no longer attempt to get along with Saul. So He couldn't live with him and he couldn't work with him, work, work for him. He couldn't be around him anymore. So he skipped town. He literally was running for his life because Saul was trying to kill him. Have some of you realized that? Has some of you, is that evident in some of you, in some of your jobs maybe? Not that your boss is trying to kill you and not that your boss is a psycho, but you feel that God is leading you to do something else. But you can't necessarily leave. You can't necessarily quit. You can't necessarily move on until your job there or God's job there for you is over. You might think while running from Saul David would not be able to not be able to help his people or serve his people but but he did. David delivers his people from it, from the Philistines several times. Just because David was out of his area didn't mean that he couldn't help people. Didn't mean that he couldn't help his people. Didn't mean that he couldn't be a blessing. Didn't mean that he could not um, help people out and do something for. Them. Just like David, just because you're you're at your job and you think your job there is done. You think your job there is over. Doesn't mean you can't help someone around you. Doesn't mean you can't do something for someone. Doesn't mean you, couldn't, you can't be a blessing for someone. How are you being a blessing to someone now? Are you sure your job there is over? Because if it's not, you might want to find out. You might want to ask God, is my job here over? What is your job for me while I'm here? So David had a chance to kill Saul. He had a chance to take Saul out himself. Things worked out and, and David and Saul were together and David had him right where he wanted them. Right where he wanted him. He had a chance to take him out right then and, and end it and take the throne. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And we're like, what? He had a chance to take him out and get this over with that he could just move on into the throne, but he didn't take it. And in 1 Samuel 24, 20, Saul says, and now behold, I know that you shall surely be king. And the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. That was Saul saying that to David. Now Saul just admitted and confirmed that David was going to be the next king. After all these years of David wondering if he was going to be the next king, that was the confirmation right there. He didn't miss this one. Samuel didn't miss this one. He didn't didn't get the wrong guy. David was going to be the next king. So you know that David was like, finally, this is over. He's not going to pursue me anymore. The psycho's not going to mess with me anymore. I can finally start being, uh, move on to the throne, and I can finally be the king. But that wasn't, that wasn't it. Saul didn't step down even then. You know, see, Saul was just, he was just saying that because he knew that David was about to kill him. He was trying to convince him not to kill him. So he even tries, Saul even tries to uh, pursue him even more, and he tries to kill him again and again and again. Some more time went by, and then finally David has another chance. He finally has another chance. He didn't do it the first time. He didn't pull the trigger the first time. He's got the chance right now. He's in his grasp. He's got him right where he wants him one more time. What does he do? He lets him go again. We're like, what? Okay, you messed up the first time, David. Why didn't you take it this time? It's right here. Why didn't you take him out this time? It's yours. It's right there. Why didn't you do it? He spares him again because he he doesn't take him out because he knows that's not the way God wants it to happen. And then in 1 Samuel 26, 25, I know I'm really messing up my media, guys. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going quick. 1 Samuel 26, 25, Then Saul said to David again, He said, Blessed are you, my son. He calls him son this time. Blessed are you, my son David. You will both accomplish much and surely prevail. But that was it. That was it. That was the last time that Saul would pursue him and try to kill him. To finally finally stop, He Saul saw finally stopped trying to kill David. So David must have thought, okay, is it time now, God? Is it time that I can finally take the throne? Is it time now, God? Is it, is it time now, Daddy? Is it time now, Daddy? I can have my present. Can I have my present now, Daddy? Remember when, when uh, Christmas Eve came by and you had all your, your presents in the living room and your mom and dad, you always you were like, I want to have that present right there. Can I have that one? So you ask mom and dad, mom and dad, can I open this one? No. Can I open this one? How about now? No. How about now? No. How about now? No. No. That's how David felt. It was right there. He wanted to open it. He he could touch it. He wanted it right then. It was right there in front of him. But he couldn't take it. Not yet. Several years went by and and the Philistines and the Israelites were still trying to were still fighting it out. And finally Saul was cornered. Philistines overtook the Israelites and Saul was cornered. His, his back was against the wall. And he saw the Philistines coming up. And, he lo- and Saul looked to his, his armor bearer and he said, Take me out. Just go ahead and kill me and get it over with, because I don't want these Philistines to come in and, and take me prisoner. Who knows what they're going to do to me? And the do- owner oh, looked at him and was like, no, I can't do that. I can't take out my king. So Saul took him to his own hands. He grabbed the sword, and he f- said that he fell on his sword. He basically committed suicide. He took the cowardly way out, and he killed himself. So Saul was dead. David learned of Saul's death, and you would think that he would be ecstatic. You would think that he would be so happy because he would know that it was time now that he could take the throne. Saul was out of the picture. It's time to do it. But he wasn't. He was mad. He was very upset. He was very mad. Because he knew no matter how bad Saul was, God, could still, God still chose him to be the king at that time. So David designated a Saul replacement. Israel's next king 15 years later. David has gone through many different experiences, all of which will make him a better king for having endured him. He is now much better prepared to, to reign as Israel's king. But God is not yet ready to make him king. He still had seven years to serve before he could have the crown. Still not yet. Now David did. He did become king of Judah. And you're like Judah. Yeah, Judah was in, is a southern land under Israel, and he became king of Judah. And you're like, okay, so David David ha- was a king over a land. Did, did Samuel got a half right? Samuel said he was going to be king over a land, and he, he, he got a half right. He wasn't king over the land he was promised, but he was king over a land. Is that right? No, that's not right. He was still going to be king over the land he was promised, but just not yet. So who took over Israel? Who took over the throne? Isbasheth was made king over Israel. The reason David was not anointed as king was Abner, the cousin of Saul, the commander of the armed forces of Israel. He knows God has designated David to be the next king. He's going to do everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen. Abner installs Isbasheph as Saul's replacement. Now, David does not oppose either of these guys. He he does not oppose Abner or Isbasheph. Not because he's afraid of them and not because he can't. He does not oppose them because he will not out of principle. Isbasheph is a descendant of Saul. David grants the fact that he is, indeed king, and that it is God who ultimately put him in that power and authority and in that position. He will not resist the king, even to become king in his place. David will not remove Ispasheth because he cannot do so and keep his word to Saul. Here's a man of principle, a man who will wait seven more years just to keep his word, just to wait on the Lord. Talk about character. That's character. So David was absent for most of the seven years, and the war dragged on, causing needless suffering and death. And then finally, Abner approaches him with a deal. He approaches him with a deal. And he says that he claims that he's in charge, and, and the land is really his anyway. And if David just makes this deal with him, he agrees with this deal, then he'll handle the rest. But David doesn't take the bait. He knows something's up. Something don't look right. So he doesn't, he doesn't take the bait. You know, that sounds very similar to what Satan did to Jesus himself in Matthew 4. And Jesus didn't take the bait either. But then the unexpected happens. The unexpected happens. Abner dies. And we're like, what? This is, like I said, this is like a, an action-packed drama film that you don't really know what's about to happen next. And the main character dies after Abner's death. His death ultimately brings everything to a screeching halt. Leading up to what looked like David's chance to finally take the throne, one of the main characters dies. So now what? Now what is David going to do? He goes back to Judah and becomes king a little bit longer, and the people loved him more and more, and his popularity grew and grew, and I see Abner's offer as a shortcut, an easier path to what God wants to give David. If so... Abner's death and the resulting delay in David becoming king makes total sense. Once again, David will not stoop to any means to gain the throne. God has promised him. David is a man who understands what being God's king is all about. And then Remember, he was, he was king of Israel. He was only king for two years. So what happened? He was murdered. Man, there was a lot of killing going on back then. I'm glad I don't live back then. So then in 2 Samuel 5.3, 2 Samuel 5.3, here it is. All the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron and before the Lord. And here it is, finally, finally. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And then he reigned for 40 years. But the scripture that sums this story up, it just sums the story up is in Second Samuel 5:12. It says, "So David knew that the Lord had established him as king. He knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel." It finally hit him. It finally sunk in. That he was king, that prophecy had been fulfilled. God's promise has been fulfilled. He realized that God made him king. Not David, but God. But how was David able to wait so long on God? How was he able to wait 15 to 20 years before doing what God had appointed him to do? I found three ra- reasons why, or ways why, if you're taking notes. Number one is David knew God's promises. In 1 Samuel 16, 12, God said to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. When God sent Samuel to Jesse's house to, to find David, to find the chosen one, he didn't say to tell David, Oh, you might be the king one day. If all, this thing, all these pan out, if this person dies and this person doesn't take the throne, it, it'll all work out. Maybe you'll be king. No, uh-uh. he told him that he will be the next king. When God says something is going to happen, you can count it as a promise. You can count it as a promise. You can take it to the bank. You have to remember that David's name means God, uh, man after God's own heart. So you know that he was in the scriptures all the time. You know that he was talking to God all the time. So you knew, David knew that if God told him that he was going to be the next king, that he could count it as a promise. And he knew that. You know, it's always gloomy. Always rains. Sometimes storms. Well, there's always a rainbow shining bright. Isn't there? You know, remember, that's another one of God's promises that we, we learn in, in Sunday school. Here's some promises that you can count on. Now, I'm just going to give you a couple of these, and I'm, I'm not going to go into detail, but I do want you to write them down. I do want you to go home and study them and remember them. There's four of them. Number one is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This, then Hebrews 13, 5, then James 1.12, and then my personal favorite is Matthew 6.33. If you've ever felt abandoned while you're waiting on God, if you've ever felt like God has abandoned you and He's not heard your prayers and He's not heard your cries for help, and He's not going to follow through with His plans. Remember this. Jesus felt abandoned. Jesus felt abandoned on the cross. Jesus felt abandoned from his own father, his heavenly father also. say, so how, how do you know that? I know this because in Matthew 27, 46, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, as Jesus is hanging on the cross and he, with his dying breath, he's, he's, he's about to die, He says, Eloi, Eloi, lama, sebectani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So even Jesus cried out to God thinking that he was abandoned. But we all know that deep down, Jesus knew that he was not abandoned. He knew that his heavenly father would not abandon him. And it looked like God was, was going to abandon him. That God was not going to fulfill his promise, that everything was going to go bad. That's not what happened. We know what happened. He rose from the dead. God, his father, rose him from the dead. And that's what he can do for you today. You might feel dead today. But God is saying, he's saying, rise up, come forth, and live again. So know and remember God's promises to you. And the second reason why we know that David was able to wait so long is David knew that what God had done for him in the past. Well, let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out to the flock, Out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Did you hear the confidence that David had in verse 37 he said he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine he will deliver me so the same way to so the way back when way back when God delivered him from that from the battle that looked almost impossible God gave David the confidence that he needed to defeat the giant trials come to us all even God's anointed none of us are strangers to the lions and the bears and trials and tribulations of life the lions and bears are god's blessings and opportunities in disguise you say what what would you just say a blessing you're telling me the things that i'm going through right now or a blessing well yeah the very things that are the toughest for you to go through turn out to be the very things that give you the most strength Let me say it again, the things that are toughest for you to go through turn out to be the very things that give you the most strength. The lion and the bear prepared David for this great moment of triumph. David knew that if God could get him through that, if God could deliver him from that, if God could help him defeat that, something that seemed impossible, then he could definitely get him through this. He had the confidence that he needed. David knew with confidence that God would be able to get him through that and be able to um, give him everything he needed to kill Goliath, and he did. Then David knew that God would give him everything he needed to get through the time while he was waiting, and he did. No lion, no bear, no victory over Goliath, no crown. Look back on what God has done for you in the past so you can face the giants of today. And the third way David was able to wait so long on God's plans to unfold is God gave David patience. David waited 15 to 20 years before he he, he was able to get the, the crown. You've got to have patience to wait that long for something. When you know that it's right there and you can see it and you can taste it. You know, it's just like the sports reporter's and say that that they could taste the victory. Now, I'm not going to comment on the World Series, and I'm not going to comment on any uh, college football that happened this weekend, but they could taste the victory. It was right there. They could taste the victory, and they couldn't get it. It was right there, and God put detour after detour after detour in David's way. Have you ever had that happen before? We've all had that happen before. It Maybe has happened this week. Maybe it even happened this morning. We're already late for something, and we, we finally get out of the house. We get in our car, and we're on the road, and we're going and going and going. And then we get behind a tractor. I mean, this is North Carolina, right? I mean, we're going to get behind a tractor at least once or twice a week, right? So we get past the tractor finally, and we're going and going and going, and then we get behind a school bus. We all love school buses, right? They stop every five seconds. They don't get over 45 miles an hour, and we love them. So finally, we see an opening. We go past the school bus, and we're going and going and going. And then all of a sudden, we see ding, 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 ding railroad. The train's coming. And we're like, What in the world? Seriously? What's, what else is going to happen? And we sit there and we wait. We're waiting, waiting, looking at our watch. Okay, I've got a little bit of time. Maybe I won't be that late. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, the last one comes by, and we see it. And the arms go up, and we fly over our tracks like Dukes of Hazard. And we're going and going and going. And we're almost at our destination, and then all of a sudden we see red lights blue lights and orange lights. And we're like, I give up. We're going to be late. Okay, I accept that. I give up. I quit. And then as you're waiting, watching that, what happened there, it was a car accident. And it hits you while you're waiting there thinking. It hits you. That could have been me. If it wasn't for that tractor, it wasn't for that school bus, it wasn't for that train, it could have been me. Thank God that the people that were there didn't get seriously injured, but if that had been me, who, who, would not, who knows what would happen. I may have been seriously injured or, or worse. If God wouldn't have put those things in my way, I would have gotten really hurt. So thank God for the detours that he puts in our way. Because he can see further up the road than we can. So David could taste it. It was right there. But he couldn't take it. You know, it's like, it's like when your ball goes over the fence. you're playing baseball and your ball goes over the fence. This is why I have this ball here, by the way. Your ball goes over the fence. And, you, you, you know, when the ball goes over the fence and you, it's in the chain-leap fence and you can see it. And you can touch it. It's right there and you can touch it. And you do this number here and you, you know how it, you can't get it through it. And you try to go up with it. So you, you do this number here, and it falls. You do this number here, and you, you do this number here, and it falls. You, you can't get it. You can't get it. It's right there. It's right there at you. You can touch it. It's right there in your grasp, but you can't get it out. That's how David was. It was right there, and he couldn't, he couldn't take it. Now, if I was David, after about two years, I'd be like, okay, all right, it's time to do something different. It's time to move on here. It's time for something to happen. It's two years. I can't take it anymore. Something's got to happen. I, I'd be asking a lot of questions. I'd be like, okay, did Samuel really get this one? Did he really hear from God on this one? Or, or he just missed, one, missed it this day? Was it a mistake? Did he really hear from God on this one? Am I, am I supposed to be the next king? Did he choose the wrong guy? I don't question God by no means. But I do question Man. I truly believe that God told David beforehand what was going to happen, and Samuel, and then later on, Saul, as I said, gave him that confirmation that he knew that he was going to be the next king. I mean, a man after, after God's own heart, he knew that. So let's look at some what God's Word says about waiting and patience. Look at Isaiah 40, 31. I wasn't going to read this one, but this, I wasn't going to read any of them, but this first one is really good, but... Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How good is that? Like I said, I have two more and I'm not going to go into detail with them. and I, just, I do want you to write them down and, and go home and, and uh, study them and remember, remember them. James 1, 2 through 4. Matthew 6, 27. According to a survey, the average adult can wait patiently in line for about 10 minutes and 42 seconds before getting angry. How many, how many minutes can you wait? You say, well, you say to yourself, well, I've been waiting about 40 minutes, 30, 40 minutes now for you to shut your trap so I can go home and, and eat. So I guess I'm a little above average. So, but I can wait personally. I'm just going to be honest with you. I can wait about two minutes. I, I can't take it anymore. About two minutes and that's it. My wife gets on me all the time. I'll call her at, her at her work and she'll put me on hold. And I'm always thinking to myself, am I the only one that she puts on hold? Or is it everybody that calls, she puts on hold automatically. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting. 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 And then finally I'm like, click it. And she calls back and she's like, what in the world? It was, you can't wait long at all. You, you have so much, you're you so impatient. You can, it was like two minutes. I'm like, yeah, that was two minutes. So I can't take it anymore. And then my family, we were in Topsil Island. We always go to Topsil Island on July 4th and we watch the fireworks and we were at my grandparents' house and we were watching the fireworks and we thought that we were leaving at the right time to beat the traffic and that didn't happen. We were in standstill traffic for 51 minutes. Fifty-one minutes, almost an hour. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the best part. I had three small children in the back seat that hadn't had a nap yet. That was awesome. It was an exaggeration. Talking about having to have patience. It just hurts my head just thinking about it. Man. For people over 55, their patience runs out the earliest at 9 minutes and 30 seconds in line. People under 35 are the most patient. They don't start getting angry until the average of 12 minutes, 18 seconds, but they're also the most likely to get in arguments with strangers in line. I can see that. People rank grocery store lines as the most frustrating. Lines at the post office second, airport check-in lines third, and airport security lines fourth. Survey also found out that 21% of the people are shopping at night to try to avoid longer lines. About 25% of the people say they pass time in line by daydreaming. That's me. And 13% of the people try to pass time uh, by talking to random strangers. How long can you wait? How much patience do you have? Martha and 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 Mary didn't have patience. They didn't have much patience. This is Pastor Andy said before the service. It's so right that he said that. But they begged Jesus to come because Lazarus was, was sick. They begged him to come. They begged him to come. They sent a messenger to Jesus so that he would come, and he didn't come. He didn't come when they wanted him to. They begged and begged and begged, and Jesus didn't show up, and Lazarus died. And then Jesus finally showed up, and he was just strolling around, taking his time with his disciples, coming in. And Martha saw him. She she made a beeline to him. Went straight to him, and I can see it right now. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you come when we told you to? We sent you the message. Didn't you get the message? Why didn't you come? What are you going to do now? He's dead now. What are you going to do now? He's dead. If you just showed up when I told you to show up, he wouldn't be dead right now. And you could actually do something. What are you going to do now? And as we know, Jesus, cool and calm, raised Lazarus from the dead. And he showed her what he could do. Martha and Mary were impatient. They called on Jesus and they wanted him to come right then. They thought it was so important for him to come right then, and it was. It was important for, him, for them to come, but, but Jesus also knew that it was more important for him to show up when he did. Just like Pastor said in one of his past sermons, it's not the time, but it's the timing. Jesus knew that it would, be, it would have a more effect, a better effect on people 2,000 plus years if he would have waited. We see, we see that's how we are. We pray to God and we ask God to show up. And we need Him right now. We need Him to do this right now and do this and this and this right now. We can't wait. We want him to do it right now. I want you to come and do this right now. Don't wait. I want it to come right now. And we think it's important, and it is. Just like Lazarus, it was important. But but it's more important for Jesus to show up at the right time. If David would have not had patience, and if he would have jumped the gun by taking Saul out early or or listening to Abner, or taking that deal, or taking out Isha on his own. Who knows what would have happened? Who knows what have, may not have happened in history? Remember, David is a descendant of Jesus. Just saying. If he wouldn't have waited on God, we wouldn't be talking about him today. If he wouldn't have waited on God, he wouldn't be one of the best, greatest kings Israel's ever known. You might be waiting on God to do something today. You might be waiting on God to... Uh, for His plans to unfold in your life today. You might be waiting on God to do something in your job. Trust God. You might be waiting on God to do something with your marriage. Trust God. You might be waiting on God to do something in your ministry. Trust God. You might be waiting on God to do something with your child. Trust God. You might be doing, waiting on God to do something with your finances. Trust God. You might be waiting on God to do something with this government and the economy. Trust God. You might be waiting on God to heal you or a loved one. Trust God. God wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary people this morning. He wants to blow your mind with the things that he can do for you, but you just have to be obedient, and you just have to wait. Trust God and wait on him. Are you willing to wait? If you jump the gun, you might get something good early, but if you wait on God, you'll get something great on time. Just like that old, old good saying. I know you've heard it before just like I have. How's it go? It says, it says God is never late. He's rarely early, but he's what? Always on time. It's just like the football co- coach who draws up his plays. He knows exactly how to beat this team that they're playing. He draws up his plays, and he gives it out to the players. And the players look at the plays and the plans, and, and they say, hmm, they're good and all, but I, I want to win early. I, this is going to take too long. So they tear it up and throw it in the trash can, and they start, they start writing their own plays and their own plans. And they say, okay, this is how we're going to do this, this is how we're going to do this, and this is how we're going to win. And they, say, they go up to the coach and they say, coach, we know you, we love you, and we, we know that you meant well and all, and that was all good and all the plans and plays that you made, but, but here's how we're going to do it. Here's the plans and plays that we've made. Here's how we're going to win the game, because the way you said we were going to win the game was going to take too long. We want to win it now. So he, he says, okay, I'll let them go. I'll let, they have to learn. I'm going to let them go. So they go and they play the game and they do a lot of they they do a lot of good things. They, They they gain some yardage and they may even score some touchdowns. But at the end of the game, they don't win. And their heads are down, and they're like, what in the world happened? All these great plays and plans that we had, we made up. Didn't you see these? We did them exactly the way we wanted them to do. The way exactly the way we designed them. But we didn't win the game. Why didn't they win the game? Because they didn't listen to the coach. They didn't listen to the one who knew. He knew how to win the game. They just wanted to win it their way. Are you listening to the coach today? The coach? Have you drawn up your own plans in life? How many, how many games have you won lately? You might have done some good things. You may have gained some yardage. You may have have scored some touchdowns in life, but have you won any games lately? He hears your prayers today. He hears the things that you, you ask for, and some of them are good, but he wants to give you something great, something that will blow your mind. I'm asking you, are you willing to wait? God is saying that he wants to give you desires of your heart, but you have to wait. He's not saying no, but he's just saying not right now. He wants you to have everything, but just just not right now. Are you willing to wait on God? Are you willing to wait on what God has in store for you? Are you willing to wait for God's plans to unfold? Remember God's promises. Remember what God has done for you. And have patience. And then like David, you'll be able to wait for God's plans to unfold in your life. Because God is worth the Wait. I'll leave you with this scripture. And this is David, King David at the time, saying this many years later. And this is in Psalms 130, 135 through seven. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is mercy. Let's pray. Father, there are some people in here that are waiting on you. They're waiting for your, your plans to unfold in their life. They've been waiting for a long time, Lord. They're desperate. And Lord, there are some people in here that you're waiting on. You're waiting there patiently, waiting for them to just ask you for help. And they're doing everything their way. They've made up, drawn up their own plans and plays. And I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes we think that, oh, that that's just little stuff I don't want to give that to God I can handle that on my own he's got bigger things to worry about but God you say that you want everything you want us to surrender everything to you and that might be what some people in here have to do they may have they may know you they may know know of you they may have no they may even know that you died for them and you you died on the cross for them and were, were beaten and the nails were nailed in your hands and feet and they may know that and they they may know that you even did it for them. And they may even have, have asked for forgiveness of sins but they haven't surrendered to you. Surrender to Him today. Surrender to Him. Lord, for those that are waiting I pray that You will remind them of your promises. Remind them what you've done for them in the past and give them patience. And for those who you're waiting on, Lord, I pray that you give them boldness and courage to ask. Ask for help. And to come to you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming, guys. Those, if we have guests, if you'll go to our guest welcome center back there, we have a gift for you. If you have given your heart to the Lord today for the very first time, we have our information pack for you there in the, in the back there. Thank you and have a good day.